0: So it's important to always have the options that are available in our emoji keyboard be increasing in a more diversity focused context, but there will always be limitations. There's a tension there. We cannot convey every single culture's variety of kind of core objects within the keyboard.
1: Welcome to Made For Us, a podcast about the intersection of innovation and inclusion. It's for anyone who's curious about how to develop products that work better for all of us. My guest today is Keith Broney, the editor-in-chief of Emojipedia, an emoji encyclopedia with millions of visitors each month. Keith made headlines a few years ago when he landed a job with a translation company as the world's first emoji translator. Since joining Emojipedia, Keith spends his time analysing emoji usage and trends and keeping track of the latest emoji arriving on our phones. In this episode, we'll be talking about the universal appeal of emoji, how they've become more diverse over the years, and some of the design challenges this presents. This is the first of two episodes on Emoji. Be sure to stick around for part two, an interview with Rayouf Alhumedi, the creator of the Headscarf Emoji. That's also out today. Now here's Keith with a brief introduction to Emojipedia.
0: So my name is Keith Brony. I'm the editor-in-chief of Emojipedia.org, which is the world's number one emoji resource. It's part encyclopedia, part design archive. We are out there looking at the world's emoji usage, documenting it, providing it uh, free at the point of access for all of our global users to ensure that people are able to freely and quickly understand how you know, their peers and others across the world are using emojis.
1: So can you give us some examples of what people use Emojipedia for?
0: So people come to Emojipedia for a variety of different reasons. They may want to copy and paste a brand new emoji that their device doesn't have yet. They may want to come to confirm suspicions about how emoji is used in a variety of different contexts. One great example is whether or not the folding hands is prayer or a high five. And we have the definitive answer to that on Emojipedia. But people also want to see how emoji designs differ, not just across different devices, but have differed historically as well. So we have a, a massive design archive dating back to nineteen. 19- from one of the earliest emoji sets in Japan showing some very early primitive pixel style emoji designs. So people come to Emojipedia ultimately to find emoji information of all sorts.
1: Okay and and for people who are dying to know the praying hands emoji is it supposed to be prayer or is it a high five?
0: So it is Intended to be an individual person with their hands folded together. And you can actually see that when you go onto the Emojipedia site page for folded hands. And you'll see some of the earlier designs actually depict a person with their hands folded together. Now, of course, that gesture means uh, praying in the Western world, but it can also, of course, mean namaste or kind of it's a gesture requesting forgiveness or appreciating thanks in some countries in the, you know, across uh, Asia and what have you. All of those are valid, but the key thing is it's supposed to be just one person. And, uh, you know, when you look at how people are actually using this emoji, those are the contexts in which it's being used. But a little bit of confusion occurs because on certain platforms, if you enter in high five to your emoji keyboard's kind of search tool, it'll give you that folded hands emoji, even though no one actually uses it like that.
1: Right, thank you for clearing that up. And before we continue, I should congratulate you because it's Emojipedia's 10-year anniversary.
0: Yes, this year we've been in operation for 10 years. It's actually been an incredible privilege to have led the celebration for not just uh, Emojipedia's 10th uh, year in operation, but also uh, our 10th annual World Emoji Day celebration. So we actually host World Emoji Awards as part of World Emoji Day each year. We usually announce these across a variety of different media platforms or media partners and what have you. The most popular new emoji, this year was the plain pink heart emoji it was actually no surprise this was introduced back in September of last year and over subsequent months began to be introduced to various different devices at uh, the plain pink heart though is something that emoji users had been clamoring for years and years and years so when it was finally introduced Uh, There was no real surprise in it winning the most popular new emoji award this year for sure. We also gave a lifetime achievement award to the rolling on the floor laughing emoji, that version of the crying laughing face that's kind of tilted on its side. It's uh, currently number two in the world, just behind the aforementioned face with tears of joy, the crying laughing face. So there's a lot of laughter out there in, in the emoji space.
1: Amazing. So let's go on to talk about a brief history of emoji. Can you tell us briefly how they originated, how they end up on our phones and how often they're updated?
0: So contemporary emojis originate from Japan in the late 1990s. The very first emoji, rather what we consider the very first emoji at Emojipedia, was a small little love heart on a pager within Japan. In subsequent years, Various different early mobile phones began to incorporate emoji keyboards, but they incorporated them in slightly different ways to each other, causing a need for convergence. And that brings us up to 2010. The international body, the Unicode Consortium, decides as digital communications become more and more globalized and platforms like Gmail and devices like the iPhone, begin to be used worldwide, that we need to be able to standardize how these emoji characters are used. And the Unicode Consortium standardizes all digital text via their Unicode standard documentation. So from the number one to the letter A to all sorts of different global alphabets, Unicode is responsible for ensuring that all of our digital devices are able to represent those symbols or characters or letters correctly. And the initial set of Japanese emojis were then incorporated into Unicode, effectively wholesale. At the beginning, they were a Japan-focused feature, though certain users realized in other countries that if you downloaded a certain app, you'd be able to kind of unlock them on your iPhone. And it was in 2012 that Apple effectively opened the emoji floodgates and introduced the world to the emoji keyboard.
1: So I read somewhere that emojis are used by 92% of the world's population.
0: That's a, a well-trotted out statistic, all right. That's actually several years old at this point. So if anything, it's actually higher. People all across the world, across all sorts of demographics, cultural, age, people are using emojis within their digital communications. People want to be able to add you know, emotional clarity to messages, but they also want to inject a sense of playfulness as well. In fact, research in a variety of disciplines, including psychology and linguistics, has found that people perceive the placement of emojis within text messages or social media posts to be more indicative of a a positive emotional tone on the part of the person who wrote that message than if those emojis are not present. And that holds true not just for the obvious, the emotionally expressive emojis or the emotional symbols like the hearts, but also the animals, the foods. People use emojis to convey emotional information and that's relevant to absolutely everybody across the globe that's fortunate enough to have access to a digital device.
1: So I wanted to talk about the trend towards more inclusive emoji. When did that begin? Was there a particular catalyst?
0: Apple effectively opened the emoji floodgates for the Western world in around 2012. Other platforms then subsequently began adding emoji designs from Unicode's recommended set of emojis in subsequent years. So then we soon got you know, the Google-specific emoji set that adhered to Unicode standards, Samsung released one soon after, Facebook then updated its set of emoji designs to be in line with Unicode's recommendations. But something was quickly realized, and it came down to gender representation, and it came down to representation of people of different skin tones. In the early days of emojis, they were you know small pixelated images where gender information and race information wasn't in- explicitly obvious. But when Apple introduced their designs and kind of tail end of the 2000s, when they were kind of doing them in a pre-Unicode way, trying to match a set from one of the uh, Japanese vendors, they had to make certain decisions in terms of gender representation and race representation. And they matched the Japanese set and what was done there is every single person in the emoji keyboard had a very pale skin and of course not everybody across the world has pale skin but everybody across the world wanted to use emojis so there was a disconnect there there was hashtags going around saying you know emojis so white people didn't feel represented in the designs of people or hand gestures within the emoji keyboard people began to quiz this, like, why is this the case? People began to quiz Apple as to why their designs were of this kind. And then people ultimately began to ask Unicode who had introduced all of the various kind of emoji concepts from Japan as to why are there not kind of more diverse options within the emoji keyboard. So it was actually at this time that Unicode effectively realized that emoji are going to be a work in progress for them constantly. They thought, we'll introduce this set from Japan wholesale, and that'll be that. These are a novelty, but people loved them. People loved them to, because they're able to use them in the way I was describing earlier. They allow us to add semantic information. They're a very, very powerful paralinguistic power tool to add additional emotional context, but people did not feel represented by the designs within the emoji keyboard. And so Unicode realized a change had to happen. And that's why in 2014, they declared that they were going to be introducing a means through which all of the people emoji characters will be able to have one of five different skin tone options and that the default skin tone for all of the various designs that different vendors like Apple, Samsung, Google, like I mentioned earlier, should actually be a neutral color. There was some debate as to what that neutral color should be. Microsoft actually initially for all of its people emojis introduced everybody having kind of a gray skin tone. But ultimately all of the various uh, emoji designers from those companies I mentioned earlier converged around using yellow as a default skin tone, clearly inspired by how the emoji, the smiley emojis use that kind of yellow Kind of skin tone to try and emulate the classic smiley face emoji. It's not emoji, but the smiley face icon created by Harvey Ball. And there's problems with that still. I mean, great comparison is how, if you look at The Simpsons, yellow is an analogue for whiteness. So there's been great uh, amount of studies into how people actually use these different skin tone emojis and people with paler skin tones tend to just use the default. People with darker skin tones will use the one that better represents themselves. So it's an imperfect solution, but it's certainly better than not being able to present people of all different uh, races across the globe within the emoji keyboard, given its popularity across the world.
1: And also on the issue of gender, I think there was some criticism as well that the earlier emoji reinforced gender stereotypes.
0: Yes, that's absolutely true. And this was uh, another criticism that was leveled against the kind of construction of the various kind of concepts in the emoji keyboard from its earliest days. So, again, the very first set of emojis, uh, if gender was specified in the concept of, like, say, a man or a woman, you would have certain stereotypical design features. But when it came to, say, introducing a police officer. There had to be a choice there made by the emoji designers as to how to represent that person and a gender decision was made. And that was the case for all of the people emojis on various different uh, vendor sets within various vendor sets, specifically the Apple one. The Apple one from the early days in particular is the most influential one because it Introduced the world, the wider world to emojis, and also consider uh, given the huge market share of Apple devices in the United States, was the one the majority of people were seeing. And Apple made a decision to represent a police officer as a man, a dancer as a woman, you know, a, a spy as a man, a person getting a haircut as a woman. The Broad representation was that if you are active or had a profession, you were a man, if you were being passive or doing something kind of casual, frivolous, you are a woman. And this was obviously unacceptable. And therefore, Unicode also recommended that all of the various uh, companies that are implementing emoji designs should have representation for men and women for all of the various people emojis. And that's actually also evolved over time because of how the gender specifying versions of each of the people emojis are implemented. Also meant that there was a third option within uh, our emoji keyboards that was effectively the default non-gender specifying version of say, the police officer or the person getting a haircut or what have you. But in 2018, uh, Google specifically declared that they were going to revise the default design for that uh, non-gender specifying emoji version to not be shared with one of the gender specifying designs, but be its own unique design that would attempt to be a gender neutral representation. And this is a difficult thing to do in terms of design, what is gender neutrality in design, but all of the other Emoji vendors ultimately came up with their own kind of way. So a more neutral, rounded kind of facial shape, a kind of a mid-length haircut, a variety of different kind of uh, specific color clothing with less gender-specific attributes to just emphasize that this is conveying the concept of a person, say, getting their haircut or a person working in the police force.
1: So obviously all this has meant an explosion in the number of emoji, right? I mean, can you give a sense of how the emoji set has grown over the years and how many are there now?
0: Sure. So at the moment, there are over 3,600 different emoji characters represented by Unicode, or rather it's more correct to say different characters and sequences. That's down to how various variations are implemented from a technical perspective if you actually look at unique concepts from the emoji keyboard there's about 1800 to 2000 so about you know 1600 so 1600 emojis are variations on other concepts and that's you know one of the five different skin toned options that exists beyond the neutral option as well as you know different gender representations for the people emoji specifically
1: so you mentioned that, you know, tech companies have been very mindful of increasing representation in emoji. What are the incentives for them to do this?
0: I mean, ultimately, digital technology where emojis exist, our digital communication platforms are used all across the world, across all sorts of cultures, by people of all sorts of races. And the emoji keyboard is a tool through which people want to you know, represent themselves and communicate about themselves and the world around them, and if people are looking to that keyboard and seeing a world that's alien to them, then it's a failure on the devices part, the products part, to really be a utility for that person in that cultural context, with their uh, racial background, from their you know gender background, etc. So ultimately, the emoji keyboard should be as representative as we possibly can have it be with. Us also dignifying that it is a set of characters that are attempting to be broadly representative of concepts that exist in our world. So be they the concept of kind of different racial backgrounds, the concept of different gender representations, different cultural objects, different foodstuffs, et cetera. The one thing the keyboard will always fail to do is be a perfect encapsulation of every single person out there. We will have approximations of the concept of a person with a beard, a woman with a hijab, the strawberry, uh, a type of dumpling. But ultimately, these are broad-based general representations. And that's all they can really be given the limited nature of them as effectively a writing symbol with their own font. There is, of course, though, a whole variety of different kind of emoji-like tools through which people can better represent themselves more specifically. So Apple has their kind of Animoji-style feature or the Emoji. there's you know, platforms like Bitmoji where people are able to make emoji-esque stickers of themselves and you know they're maybe more specific to their kind of cultural backgrounds. So it's important to always have the options that are available in our emoji keyboard be increasing in a more diversity-focused context But there will always be limitations. There's a tension there. We cannot convey every single uh, culture's variety of kind of core objects within the keyboard.
1: But these challenges haven't deterred people from trying to get their culture represented. And if you spotted a gap in the emoji market, you can actually pitch your emoji idea to Unicode. Here's how it works.
0: There has been a huge amount of effort on the part of the Unico consortium within the last number of years to try and get more diverse uh, voices involved in the emoji subcommittee, get more and more people like proposing more diverse emoji concepts, Um, because this is actually a very key thing. While there's always going to be limitations to how many concepts we can really convey within the emoji keyboard, anyone across the globe can actually propose a new emoji concept to Unicode. They usually accept app proposals between April and July each year. And you basically uh, have to follow a set of very very thorough and transparent guidelines as to why you feel this emoji should be included in the keyboard. You need to project kind of different usage contexts, the different demographics that would find this useful. Uh, Ideally, it would be an emoji that could have multiple different meanings and not be like overly specific. It could be kind of quite, diverse in its potential uses, and obviously is not going to be a kind of copyrighted property or represent a highly specific person, whether, you know, living, dead, or or completely fictional. So there's a whole host of different guidelines, selection factors, and exclusion factors that you have to kind of adhere to when you're putting together your proposal. But literally anyone listening to this right now can go onto the Unicode website, read those guidelines, prepare a proposal for next year.
1: One particular group that would like better representation is people with red hair, but there are practical reasons why there isn't a redhead option for every person emoji.
0: When uh, Unicode introduced people with red hair emojis, so you'd have a man, a woman, and uh, you know, a non-gender specifying person with uh, red hair available in the keyboard, the response was actually quite negative because people with red hair wanted to be able to add red hair to absolutely every single person emoji within the keyboard. So effectively have it as additional hair modifier. And then that runs up the number of specific emoji designs that need to be implemented on our devices by, I haven't done the calculations in a long time, but it could be upwards of another thousand or so, depending on the various different people. So it becomes a case of, well, how many people are actually going to be using this versus how many, how is this going to make the work of maintaining the emoji keyboard much more difficult for those involved in it.
1: and what you said about sort of you know the complexities of having lots of different combinations i mean this is true of the the mixed race family because Mm. i think there's many multiple combinations but you still wouldn't be able to customize that to the variety of families that are out there
0: Yes, this is unfortunately the case, given the manner in which emojis are implemented. They're effectively, you know, the designs that we see are like a font. If we add several tens of thousands of additional designs to that font, it becomes very, very difficult for it to operate in the manner in which we expect it to work now. For example, I mentioned that there is 3,600, just over. Uh, emojis represented within the keyboard. Now, Uh, if we were to add skin tone variation uh, customization to absolutely every single one of the family emoji options, that goes up to something like 50,000. And each of those combinations then has to have a design associated with them. The Design files can be considerable in size. So unfortunately, this is something that most platforms have avoided doing just in terms of streamlining operations. It also begs the question of like, should there have been emojis specifying different family combinations with explicit gender representation in in the first place? Should there just have been a symbol that conveyed the concept of a family? And this is actually something that's on Unicode's uh, list of proposals For this year, every September, Unicode will sign off uh, an update to its um, its Unicode standard, and that usually has a complementary emoji update set of recommendations. And within the draft list this year, there are four different gender-neutral family emojis that are intended to be represented via silhouettes. So you'd have one person, one child, two people, one child, one person, two children, and then two uh, people, two children, with, again, all of these people, parent or child, uh, represented as a, a silhouette. Now, this is obviously a very, very diverse way of representing these concepts. Will people end up using them? We'll have to see.
1: So I guess this comes also comes down to the keyboard that we have, because on the one hand, there's some people who want additional customization, but then there's other people <laughs> who are complaining about emoji clutter and having too many emojis to scroll through to find the one that you want. Mm. And I guess that the keyboard on our phones hasn't really adapted that much?
0: No, the emoji keyboard hasn't really evolved a huge amount over the last 10 years. I mean, many platforms have rightly introduced a search functionality, but this yes, uh, emoji clutter is something that people do discuss. In fact, uh, the current head of the Unicode Emoji Subcommittee, Jennifer Daniel, they say that there's a lot of uh, truth to the phrase that the emoji keyboard could be considered a junk drawer because there's some stuff that's been added there historically that when you actually look at how people are using these conce- uh, these emojis it's or how often they're using them, they're barely used at all. I mean, there's a lot of different concepts in there that you would question as to why do they exist? Why do we have so many different types of ship for example, why is there so many different train options? Why is there different, is so many different options for different vehicles that are either facing to the side or facing forward? Again, this goes back to Emoji's originally conceived utility in early versions of the internet, being able to represent information about transport and geography was seen as being quite valuable alongside being able to represent say, emotional associations. And of course the keyboards kind of evolved from there But those emojis remain because ultimately, as Unicode is maintaining a standard document of all of the various writing systems across the world, no emoji will ever be removed from the keyboard because that would mean devices that are updated to the newer version of the standard that's removed that concept could no longer read a text message or a social media post from say five years ago that happened to have that emoji character within it. So to remove a concept is to remove the ability of new digital devices going forward to read older texts. And that's completely contrary to Unicode's goal of digitizing all text and allowing it to be accessible across all of our devices going forward.
1: So is there a limit to how many emoji we can have?
0: So yes. There is a limit to the number of emoji we can have, but we haven't quite approached it. In fact, we're still a a long way away from that number. There is ultimately a, a limit to how many characters Unicode can encode based on how it encodes them. But that's still a while away in the future. One of the biggest problems really about the number of emojis that we can have comes down to how they're implemented within the keyboard effectively as a, a font with an individual design for all of these various combinations. As that number grows, the size of the font that needs to be utilized grows and basically makes processing it more and more difficult as the size increases. So there's a limit, it's very, very far away, but there are technical limitations as to why we would want to be a little bit more discerning as to what gets added to the keyboard in terms of how our devices get to use that you know, series of designs and also how many people are actually going to end up using the item within the keyboard, especially if the keyboard doesn't change as we were discussing and it just becomes a even bigger junk drawer, as it were.
1: Thanks to Keith Broney of Emojipedia. If you have more questions about Emoji, you'll find the link to their website in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with a friend or colleague? And don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'm Tosin Suleiman. Thanks for joining me on Made For Us.